and welcome to episode 28 of Checking the Gate, a film and religion podcast. I am Robert Wright Stasco. And I am Michael M. Patty. We are a podcast which every month we look at a different movie and evaluate it in terms of its religious content. And this month we are looking at two movies that I like, ones that Mike doesn't like. (laughs) That is correct. We're looking at Pitch Black and The Chronicles of Riddick. Yes, we are. And I, I don't know what you're... Are, are you waiting for me to start ripping into them? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll me, get to let, that. Let, so let me let me s- set you up then. What do these movies have to do with religion, one might ask? Very, very little. <laughs> uh, any of our uh, longtime listeners uh, over the last almost two years now, over two years now, excuse yeah. me, who were with us since our first proper episode uh, dealing with Thor know that many of the things we have talked about the the religious aspects have been shoehorned in <laughs> for for the sake of uh, trying to make a minimalist plot slightly heftier just with oh let's talk about a little about religion and put a, a, a modicum of depth in like thor which is they they even go so far to say you know what what you call magic we call science you know that's completely taking any sort of mysticism and religion out of it right or Constantine which bears as much resemblance to actual religion as a happy meal does to a steak dinner <laughs> <laughs> this film uh... this film features uh, Keith David who was the narrator of the Bible which we talked about in our last episode seems like so long ago we recorded that doesn't it <laughs> um, uh, he's in Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick as a holy man and his purpose is to stand there and deliver platitudes while Vin Diesel gives quippy comebacks and and then in the second movie, spoiler alert, folks, he dies and Vin Diesel has to avenge him. Yeah, that's the, that's the extent of the religious content in Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Next month, look for our. Oh uh, come on! <laughs> I know you don't like the movies, but come on. No, it's it's schlock with the, the every every you know setup. Every different scene has a different color lighting or a different filter on it to make it look cool like the the hack director who did all three of these now uh you know oh look what i can do i graduated from film school last month here's everything that looks blue well it's supposed supposed to be because there is a blue sun right you don't care no they no it it was written that it had a blue sun so it would look cool yeah well you know, when you're filming in the Australian outback, you have to do like what Doctor Who did. You do whatever you can to make it look alien. I guess. So, you know, when you're in a quarry and they were filming in the Australian equivalent of a quarry, you know, the outback, you you do whatever you need to do to make it seem alien and all that. So, I I will I will say this before I criticize it any further. I I thought the design of the aliens in Pitch Black was pretty good. Yeah. That's, yeah. They I, were cool. Yeah. That's kind of been overdone recently. Like, you notice they kind of had a similar design to the, I would say, the the monsters in uh, Pacific Rim, but you didn't see I that. I haven't seen Pacific yeah. Rim yet. But the word yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's coming out. At that time of this recording, it's coming out in a few days. So, yeah, I'll be watching Pacific Rim a lot, and I'll, I'll let 
Michael borrow my Blu-ray if I can stand yeah, this, apart with it. <laughs> this is our last episode, folks. Robert's never getting off the couch again. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I like I, I like the creature design. I like I like this movie because at, at the time it was kind of a a, a different and unique setup for a sci-fi. Now it's kind of done like every other week on the sci-fi channel. Yeah, that, you I, know, yeah. A bunch of uh, people stranded and they have to... Yeah, a bunch of B-grade actors are stranded. Yeah. And oh. there are CG creatures oh. after them. The only difference is this one doesn't have a cheesy title, like Dark Jaws. <laughs> what? You don't think Pitch Black is cheesy? <laughs> Not compared to Ghost Shark. No, I don't. Ghost Shark. Sharktopus? Sharknado. Sharknado. That movie was hilarious. No, it wasn't. <laughs> that was the problem. <laughs> Ian Zering and Tara Reid, they were hilarious. Anyways, getting back to the movie at hand, uh, Pitch yeah. Black. Yeah. I like the effects. I like, you know, it was done on a shoestring budget. I think we looked it up. It was like $38 million, I think. Uh, and I... I think it shows. Like I couldn't stop thinking when they were pulling levers at the beginning that, you know, oh, that's obviously not a real spaceship she's on. That's obviously a set. And then they cut to the exterior, which was obviously see it was it was just so jarring I got yeah. taken out of the movie. Yeah, plus this was what was it, two thousand four when it came out? That sounds right. Yeah. So it was it, And, the and there are there are other years. Yeah, there are other low budget or similar budget, even science fiction movies, where that doesn't happen, where you're, I'm able yeah. to suspend disbelief, but I, I couldn't do it on this movie, and I couldn't see past Vin Diesel's poor line delivery and the the. He's got a sinister growl. It, no, he has no proper <laughs> acting training. <laughs> And uh, and I couldn't I couldn't get over the the coincidence that the the tough hardened criminal that just happens to have the one distinguishing characteristic being able to see in the dark when they crash land on a planet full of aliens that only exist in the dark. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, that's that's awful. Well, I'll give you that. You know, I had no problem with that. But uh, but I'll give you that. The thing that I had uh, a problem with is how did how do these aliens that only exist in the dark, because sunlight burns their skin and kills them, how did they evolve on this planet, where with three suns, <laughs> and it's only dark? I think they said once every twenty two years. How does that happen? Why did the planet have to have three suns? Why couldn't it have just been one sun? Because then it would be night, and then. The monsters would come out like every night. Right. What's wrong with that? Why wouldn't that have driven the plot of the movie? No. Well, because... Why did the planet have three suns? Because you needed that first hour <laughs> of uh, really slow character development. You know? What are the operative words in that <laughs> sentence? <laughs> really slow. <laughs> the, yeah, the first, the first hour does creep along. But. All right. And even longer in the director's cut because there's there's some other things that I, I was nice to Mike. I didn't make him rewatch both movies all yes. the way through. I, I was I fast forwarded to like the relevant. I was on record bits. as saying that uh, watching Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick was four hours of my life I'd never get back. We're now up to five hours of my life I'm never getting back. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I only made him watch and you know a half hour of each movie. So, <laughs> and and I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit here. The Chronicles of Riddick made a lot more sense with Robert explaining to me <laughs> what what we were skipping. <laughs> I had a hard time following it when I watched it all the way through. Um, maybe we were just having a hard time paying attention. I suppose that's possible. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it like, did not warrant rapt what, attention. What, what, what happened? <laughs> I I don't think I fell asleep through it. If I did, I'm sure I I'm sure I watched the whole movie. Yeah, plus the director's cut, it it, it explains a little more. Like all those all the scenes where he has like the image of the Furian woman coming up and. To explain that was all cut out of the original. I, I don't yeah, remember I if I, I don't remember which version I watched. Yeah, it's been too long, and you don't care, do you? I, correct. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I, I a, a little a little clarification for the audience because we haven't really gotten around to it. Uh, I don't think Vin Diesel is a very good actor. I don't know why he's as popular as he is. He's a one trick pony. Robert likes him, and I uh, I don't care for him. Guilty I, pleasure. I really don't. He's my guilty pleasure. I guess. <laughs> we all have them. Well, guess what? I have all all five of the Fast and Furious movies that are out right now. Uh, we can watch all of those if you like. There's fun. I'm going to have to pass. <laughs> Do a 10-hour marathon. And then and then Fast and Furious 6 is coming out soon, so you, you want to watch that with me? I, I can hardly the, wait. The seventh one is already in the can. You, you understand this. <laughs> all right so all right so back to pitch black back uh, to pitch please black. please explain to the listeners uh how you tried to explain to me the the significance okay, of these well, films and, and why they warrant okay. our talking about them um the the characters in this movie are in a moral dilemma what do you do to survive they're on a planet where, where all these um, animals are trying to eat them. All the aliens that somehow miraculously evolved on this planet <laughs> are trying to eat them on the one, the one night it has every 22 years, and so they're they need to get the power cells from the crash ship into the into the new ship, which they discovered from a settlement that was eaten during the last eclipse. All the people there were were mauled by the flying sonar emitting keithy aliens of death so uh among among the group like like mike said there's keith david who's a, a muslim imam he's a, a leader of the islam faith he, he has like three acolytes with him and they are journeying to new mecca of course all his little guys get eaten um so at one point there's one of many breaks in the action keith david comes over to talk to vin diesel's character riddick and he's like would you like me to pray with you and Riddick's like, no. And he says, well, don't you believe in God? And uh, Vin Diesel's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he explains to him that, you know, he you know, spent most of his life in a prison with a horse bit in his mouth. And he was uh, left in a trash bin at birth with his umbilical cord tied around his neck. And he's like, yeah, I believe in God. And I hate the... well." Expletive deleted. So Keith David replies, "Nonetheless, he is, he is with us." And and then uh, it starts raining, and they ha- all, all the only light they have are these um, liquor bottles, uh, you know, stuffed with uh, fuses, so they can see the way. And the light is the only thing that keeps these uh, light-sensitive aliens away. 
And so the, it rains, and all their lights go out, and Vin Diesel laughs, and he's like, where's your God now? Where's your God now, Moses? Hey. <laughs> he does not say it like Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> so Vin Diesel hides him in the cave, and he goes and takes the power cells back to the, sh- to the ship. There's Rada Mitchell, um, a character named Jack, um, a girl who was disguising herself as a boy, and then uh, Keith David's imam. And they're stuck in this cave, and... The last of their lights finally goes out, and then they see these um, these little slugs that glow in the dark. So Rada Mitchell stuffs one of the bottles full of these little glow things, and she runs back and she talks to Riddick just before he's about to leave. And he's she's like, we need to go back and get him. And he's like, I got a better idea. Why don't you come with me? I'm oh, sorry, I do a very bad. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think that's I perfect. I can't do the gravel. Uh, yeah. Here are the things I'm going to do for my country. <laughs> oh, we could we could talk no. about Babylon no. AD. That no, one. no, <laughs> <What> no. About... <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Riddick plays this most devilish part, where he's trying to convince Rada Mitchell to to leave the people, and these are the same people she was going to uh, jettison at the beginning of the movie, as the ship was crashing on this planet. Um, she was just going to jettison all the cargo holds, one of which contained all the passengers in cryosleep, in order to make a safer landing. But um, the co-pilot, he jammed the door open so she wouldn't be able to do it. So she was kind of feeling, well, really feeling guilty about it. So she makes a stand against Riddick, and uh, jumps on him, knocks him to the ground, and says, I'm the captain, and I've decided that we're going to go back. And he flips her over, puts a knife to her neck, and says, Will you die for them? She's like, I would try for them. He's like, you didn't answer me. She's like, yes, Riddick, I would die for them. And so he's like, how interesting. And then they go back and rescue them. And and uh, as they're coming back, Riddick um, gets trapped by the aliens with no light, and Rada Mitchell's character goes back with some light to save them. And she's like, I said I would die for them, Riddick, not for you, so let's get going. But then one of the aliens sneaks up behind her and snatches her away into the night. And he's like, not for me, not for me. So this is the the point where Vin Diesel's character is at a crossroads. He He's sort of a sociopathic killer, but someone has just died for him. And there's a little bit of uh, a salvation message here, you know, where if someone's going to die for you, that's a life-changing moment, you know, and the, Jesus says there's no greater love than this than a man would lay down his life for his brothers. And that's what Rodham Mitchell's character did for Riddick, and he's a little different in the in the coming movies. He, you know, in the, the next movie, instead of intentionally going around killing people, he hides away on a planet to be by himself, and then he's, uh, he's picked up by some mercs because uh, the holy man, Keith David's character, who is now in New Mecca, is called upon Riddick because his planet's being invaded by necromongers. Don't you hate when that happens? Yes. So, uh, as I explained to uh, Mike, because this was kind of lost on him, and this may have been the fault of the filmmaker for not making it clear, but I thought it was was pretty heavy-handed. They're on a planet called New Mecca, and the necromongers descend, and they land, and they invade, and they say, you will convert to our religion or you will die. So it, it's, uh, I think, a thinly veiled crusade reference that Christianity is a warmongering kind of Spanish Inquisition 
part of the necromonger things is you as you convert they they teach you pain and they torture you until you want to go and kill more people like they do and how do you say his name column fior column fior everyone who hasn't seen stephen king's storm of the century it was an abc miniseries starring tim daly and column fior as a demon uh needs to see that he is creepy as all get out in that um, maybe we could do that on a future possibly it, it doesn't it doesn't have a lot of religious significance but he's oh. he's really it, it's uh, supernatural yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not religious yeah he does, he does Colin Fior does a lot of and, good creepy stuff and Colin Fior the head frost giant Loki's dad in Thor that's right that's making right. making his second appearance in checking the gate <laughs> <laughs> that's right so um yeah, what did I call him? He's the he's Lord the, Marshall. Yes, he's the Lord Marshall. I called him what the undead space pope, uh, <laughs> something like that. Yes, with uh, his action figure has undead powers. Yes, super undead powers. Which uh, that's what it was. Super undead powers. Yeah. We called um, we called Vin Diesel the space pope after oh, he was in. No, we did call we did call Lord Marshall the space pope. Yeah, which is a Futurama reference. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Necromongers they. I'm not sure if if Tui was trying to make sort of a religious statement. Because no, I'm sure it was it was manufactured. I don't think it was a statement. Yeah, I'm sure it was plot driven. Yeah, he just needed he was just kind of pulling on historical stereotypes to yeah uh, and blending it all together. Yeah, because because here's another one. Um, uh, Vin Diesel had told the story about you know how he was born and then left in a trash bin with his umbilical cord tied around his neck. Turns out the Lord Marshal, Colm Fior's character, he was doing this because, like, Herod heard the prophecy in the Bible that there's a king who is, would come and supplant him, so he had all the children killed, and that's why Jesus had to escape to Egypt. But I think this is more like the Harry Potter slash Moses <laughs> prophecy where the the Pharaoh had all the boys killed in Egypt, and Moses escaped, and Voldemort was killing babies, but Harry Potter lived, and so it's the. Uh, I think it has more to do with Harry Potter than Moses, <laughs> 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 because Vin Diesel is the last of the Furians, and he's going, and um, he ends up killing the 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 undead space pope and becoming the new space pope at the end. So. Yep. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you keep what you kill. Yeah, that's that, that's why that was comes. in the movie, and that's the last line. You know, he he kills the Lord Marshal, and apparently that's good enough to you put keep, him on the throne. Because that's a necromonger way. You keep what you kill. Yeah. Now, now that we've talked through this, and usually we spend a good. You know, a half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour talk, debating the religious elements of a movie. We've been talking about this one for about 15 minutes and we're done. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right, Mike. This one is a little late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, thanks for joining us. Um, <laughs> uh, do you want to do a TV corner impromptu real fast? We, we haven't prepared yeah. anything. Um, I'm sure we can come up with something. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's go to TV Corner right now.
All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk about some of the TV shows of promise that have come out this fall. Okay, uh, we're been, going we're, to do a full TV roundup. Yeah. Okay. We've uh, we're about a month into the new the new season. Okay. And you saw one show that I haven't been able to watch yet. Oh, I think I know where you're going. It's Sleepy Hollow. Oh my God! Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, have you I been have, watching this. I have seen either two or three episodes. I I honestly have lost count. And a, a little backstory here. Sleepy Hollow is a reimagining of the Washington Irving story, yes. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, about a school teacher named Ichabod Crane who is frightened by what may be a headless horseman on his way home from a dance one night. It's not really clear. Yeah. On the show, there is definitely a headless horseman. Uh, Ichabod Crane is not a school teacher. He is a Revolutionary War soldier, and I guess I haven't seen this episode. Uh, he was he played a significant part in the Boston Tea Party, okay. and was I, I believe killed in action and buried uh, until he was revived suddenly two hundred plus years later when the Headless Horseman returned. And not only is he a Headless Horseman, he is one of the four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, of course. So, so the whole show is filled with your 7-Eleven stocked mysticism and paganism and Satanism and oh, dark really? magic. And <laughs> yeah, it's so sanitized. And the best thing about it so far has been Clancy Brown as the sheriff who gets decapitated in the first episode. But he keeps showing up in flashbacks. Oh, okay. You can't do that to Clancy Brown. You know, Apparently you can. It's happened twice now. There can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, I'm, I haven't been enjoying it, but apparently I'm the only one because it's already been renewed for a second season after only three episodes of air. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So you think they're gonna bring like more of the horsemen in? Like I know, don't know what they're gonna like, do. Like, which one is he supposed to be? Like. Honestly, I haven't paid that much attention. I don't yeah. think the show is very good. Yeah, see the way the way I read. I mean, it's bro- it's uh, here's here's what I think. I, I think they renewed it because enough people are talking about it that they don't want another Terra Nova yeah. or Alcatraz or Dollhouse. <laughs> Dollhouse made it to two seasons, yeah, so I'm bar- not sure that just barely. barely. Yeah, that's I didn't like that either. I watched. I watched as many episodes of Dollhouse as I've seen Sleepy Hollow, and I didn't like Dollhouse either. Yeah. I tried to like it. I liked Firefly. I, I had seen... Serenity had come out, I think, yeah. before Dollhouse. Yeah. And I really liked Serenity. I tried to like Dollhouse, and it just... The the premise was ridiculous. We're, we're improving here, so I'm going to go off on a little rant. <laughs> if, all right, the rich people who were buying or renting the dolls, right could get them to do whatever they wanted why did the dolls have to have their memories wiped why couldn't they just pay the money (laughs) it was a ridiculous premise and i don't know how it made it to two seasons anyways i i think i think fox renewed it just so they're while they have a little bit of buzz yeah so it would avoid the potential of being the next Terra Nova or Alcatraz, where they make a Firefly, whole season. Firefly, I wasn't going to. I, I was not going to compare the show to Firefly. <laughs> 
Well, it, another Fox sci-fi show all, that's that is after all, one season. That is all they have in common. Yeah. The way I read Revelation, um, I read it, it's all of it is metaphorical. Oh, I, you I don't, don't have to know anything about Revelation. Oh, okay. To, this, Just that so, there's four horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so... There's four horsemen in the Bible somewhere. Yes. It's so pop. Okay. You know what I mean? Oh, so they're trying to be like CW show Supernatural. Yes. Okay. It's full of pretty people. It, it, it Pretty people and that guy's are yeah. on the show. The two main characters, the, the um, Ichabod and Abby, the cop that he's uh-huh. paired with, are pretty people. And then you've got that guy's. Clancy Brown, John Cho, Orlando Jones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, like, oh, I know that guy. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something and new it's today. Just, <laughs> it's, just, it's so... Some review I read said they loved how I think it was on IGN's review of the most recent episode, as we're recording. Uh, the it, they they knew it was preposterous, but didn't care because it didn't take itself seriously. And I'm sorry, I need a little more yeah. from that. And this is this is what really got me interested was I, well, first I I heard Clancy Brown talking about it. I, I I saw an interview with him that he said he uh-huh. was in it and kind of gave away what happened. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe they'll make some Highlander references. That'll be cool. And they didn't. First of all, oh come on, you have to. With, with especially with that happening, I think I think that happening. Did he lick anybody? No. Oh come on. I I think I think that happening was the Highlander reference. Oh okay. And and they keep they keep they've shown it a couple of times. They show his head to the left side of the frame, and then. Like, obviously, he's laying there, and the camera is yeah. framing him. And then they show a body off to the other side. Oh, come on. Which, yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure, oh, oh, the pilot from the director of Underworld. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that explains a lot. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. What Another thing that got me interested in watching three episodes of this in the first place, I, I think it, the... The first episode was written, and the series is executive produced by Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman, who wrote Transformers and Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, Fringe. Oh, yeah. Uh, They were executive producers on Fringe and Transformers Prime, which I really liked, which just went off the air. So I was looking forward to seeing what they did here, and it's... It's it's mediocre at best. I, I, I find it mediocre, and I need a little more heft to it. Um... And I'm I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing yeah. cleverness, uh, attempted cleverness, and I'm seeing bending of horror tropes. It's sanitized uh, bending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not only are they tropes, but they're network TV. Yeah, tropes. Well, an- another show that I've been watching is uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. I, I have seen the three aired episodes of Agents of Shield. Yeah. So, what do you think of that? It's okay. I thought I would like it better. I thought I, it would. I thought it would be more awesome. And so far, so far, and again, three episodes in, it hasn't been awesome. It's been pretty good. Yeah, enough so that I I don't want to watch any more Sleepy Hollow. I'd like to keep watching Shield and yeah. hope it gets better. Yeah, it's it's very interesting though. The one point that they uh, a sub theme that runs. It's not very overt. But that, okay, we li- all of a sudden, 
you know, assuming that the events that took place in all the Marvel movies and uh, leading up to the Avengers and, yeah, and, and Iron Man three and Iron Man three because they they, they mentioned Extremis. Yeah, um, that okay. We live in this world where we have monsters and superheroes and gods that that exist. Okay, what does that mean for us ordinary folk? <laughs> well, the definition of extraordinary has been up to a really high level. Ordinary seems so much lower. So I, I guarantee if that really happened, then you would see TV preachers saying, look at what God can do. Yeah. And, you know, they haven't touched on that in S.H.I.E.L.D., and they're probably not going to because it's A, network TV, yeah. and B, it's based on a comic book, and they, yeah. they don't need to get into that. That's not yeah. what the show is about. Yeah. The show is about people doing kung fu against people with superpowers and trying to get Tesseract objects back. Yeah. It's sort of like Warehouse 13 in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, it is. I had, although... I really like Warehouse 13, and I wish it wasn't going off. Yeah. You know, I have, I, I've only seen a few episodes of Warehouse 13. It's I'm worth it. About... Start from the beginning. Every episode is better than the last. Yeah. Uh, I recommend about... it without rec- without reservation. Yeah, I was going to catch up on that on Netflix, because my wife and I had gone through Eureka. We really enjoyed Eureka. My wife likes Eureka. I, it's it's okay. It's it's not my favorite, but it's it's okay. Yeah, it's kind of a soap opera with science. You know, Will Wheaton start showing up near the end, and that's entertaining. And yeah, there's uh, one character. What's his name? Zeke, I think, and he shows up in the Canadian reboot of Primeval, which only lasted a season. So, um, um I think we got off track. We were talking about Shield. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I tangented too far. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hey, I'm the one with the English degree. I will do all the making up of words. <laughs> yeah, there's a very little religious content in there, but uh, I, I think it has potential. Yeah, it has I, a I, lot of potential. I like Agent Coulson, and I'm I'm eager to see how they explain his comeback. Yeah. Um, you noticed all the hints they dropped about him not having his muscle memory as if yeah. he wasn't in his same body. Yeah, he's I'm, either a robot or a clone. Yeah. I'm hoping for robot. Robot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, people online are hoping he's the Vision. I'm not sure how that would work. I don't know enough about the Vision. Uh, I don't know either. Uh, let's see. The only other shows I've checked out are uh, I watched the first episode of Back in the Game because it has Maggie Lawson from Psych on it and I and and James Caan from The Godfather <laughs> and. Uh, and and you know what? I'll actually bring this back around to Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Okay. Uh, back in the game features James Caan as the he's the first credited actor, and his character is her dad, and he's irascible, uh, curmudgeonly, and completely unlikable. And I'm seeing more and more instances of unlikable characters in television and in film like Riddick. Anti-heroes. Anti-heroes, yeah. And Walter White, Don Draper, yeah. everyone on Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> yeah. Tony Soprano. Yeah. Who am I, who am I forgetting? What, what other big um, franchises? The, am the I? Shield. Yeah, the guy from The Shield. Yeah, and uh, I guess Boardwalk Empire. I've never seen it, but I know it, yeah. it's about thugs. Yeah. Um, 
I, uh, I, Idris Elba and Luther kind of. I disagree. He is. He walks the line. He he walks his actions maybe, but yeah. never his. It's never self-serving. Yeah, he's always look, trying to look out for somebody. He yes, might be doing it in the wrong way. Yes, he's trying to protect somebody. Yes, somehow. so I'm going to I'm going to dispute your Luther claim. I was just thinking out loud, okay. tossing it out. All there. right. So, but uh, I and I, you know, the reason I don't watch Game of Thrones, I watched the first season of it and didn't care for it. I and I've read the first book and it's it's not my cup of tea because now that Ned Stark is dead, there's absolutely nobody I have any interest in and i watched season one of mad men and it was a soap opera all about this low life who had a cool job (laughs) he's he's scum he's a he's a, a dirt bag who schmoozes and boozes and cheats and and comes up with clever ads and that's why we root for him, and I'm sorry, I I don't. That's not yeah. that's not what I like about TV. I like rooting for people. And well, here's a question. Here's okay, a, and I think this might be one that's hard to answer. Um, do you think there are any good guys on TV anymore? Rick Grimes. Uh, maybe it's not so difficult to answer as I anticipated. <laughs> um, um, I think uh, uh, yeah, Rick Grimes. Season premiere, Walking Dead tonight. Oh, I forgot it's tonight. Yeah. Um, let's see. Agent Coulson. Agent Coulson. There you go. Um, you know, uh, even in, in comedy, it's not about, you know, the, you know, everyone loved Hawkeye Pierce on MASH, you know? And, mm-hmm. But now you have, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen in, yeah. in uh, you know, Two and a Half Men. Nope, not and, anymore. Anger and, management. Anger management. Well, I was leading up to <laughs> okay, that. Okay, okay. But he's, but you know, he's just Charlie Sheen. Yeah. In both, and uh, you know, even in comedy, you, you have, you don't have a, a nice, lovable guy where you know bad things happen to him. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's despicable kind of guy who gets away with stuff. Yeah. And that's where the humor lies, and that's happened in the movies too. You know, like the the Hangover and this kind yeah. of thing. So, you know. I, yeah, there are fewer and fewer good guys that were really, and yeah. they're they all. I mean, even the superheroes. I mean, even uh, like Man of Steel. You have Superman making a, a tough choice, and yeah, I'm not sure how. I the the more I thought about that, the less I liked it because even if they were going to have, spoiler alert, Superman, have they seen it? Yes, they've seen it. Yeah. Um, even if they were going to have Superman uh, take Zod out like that, they couldn't have come up with something a little more clever yeah <laughs> or it, it seemed kind of anticlimactic too a little bit yeah you know after you know you have the uh what was clearly the matrix ripoff of the the battle of the supermen <laughs> it, it yeah it was just a little acronym yeah. we could do yeah. a whole episode about the matrix ripoffs and man of steel homages yeah. and man of steel no, Zack Snyder sat down with a legal pad and pencil and watched The Matrix and said, I like that, I like that, I like that. And let's cast Morpheus. That's right. Yeah, so, uh, do we want to get back to full TV, or have we said our piece? I, I can't really think of anything else. Because, no, I've uh, watched a couple other things, but not with uh, no. religious, not, not, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was pretty funny. 
from the creators of Parks and Recreation. Yeah. I like that more than I thought it, I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I, Michael J. Fox show is okay. I haven't seen that. It it it's okay. Yeah. Um, I I started watching Castle again, but I don't know. I'm kind of over Castle. I like Castle. It, it's wanted to see how the cliffhanger ended, but it's it's better than NCIS. Yeah. And and we're still somehow we're still watching NCIS. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't watch that one, but all right. I actually I need to go home and watch NCIS. <laughs> we haven't watched this week's yet. Yeah, uh, but yeah, every time we watch Castle, either my wife or I figure out in the first ten minutes who done it. It's not. It's mm. not hard. It's like okay, there's. This is the red herring. This right. is the red I, killer. I, this is the. I, I I'd like to make clear it bears no resemblance to actual police work, <laughs> but it has. I, I I like the characters on there. Yeah. I like every character on there. I like yeah. the clever setups. I like the banter. Yeah. And I I like how they work together. The mystery is the least important part of the show to me. Yeah. I I You're don't right. watch Castle. For the mysteries, <laughs> because there is no mystery. <laughs> it's like I don't. Let me put it this way: be really good detectives, and I, I figured it out. I don't. I don't try. I don't try to solve the mystery. I just let the episode wash over me, and I <laughs> chuckle at the quips. Yeah. Well, at ten o'clock at night, that's about all the brain power. <laughs> well, yeah, at, at eight o'clock for me, I watch it the next day. Oh. I don't. I don't stay up that late. Yeah, I don't either. After I'm driving a bus, it. Waking up at five thirty in the morning. Yeah. So, all right. All right. So, so, what's your final judgment on fall TV this year? Um, shaping up to be a more good more shows that I I actually made an effort to check out a couple things that I thought I would like, and most of them don't have superheroes on them. So I'm proud of myself for that. And uh, I've actually, except for Sleepy Hollow and All Right Back in the Game, which I didn't care for. Um, the other ones I've checked out, I've eager to give more of a chance to. Yeah. You know, apart from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think there's like a dearth of science fiction on TV anymore. And the only good stuff is coming out of Canada. Oh, my God. Continuum. Everybody, everybody listening needs to go on Netflix and watch the first two seasons of Continuum. Yeah, they're both on there They're now. both on there now. And they are fantastic. Just uh, a, a smart show, doesn't talk down to the audience. Yeah, and awesome Awesome actors, awesome guest stars. They yeah. they bring in people you know from every show you've ever watched. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica people are on there. Yeah. Uh, I think a Firefly person's been on there. Well, maybe not Firefly. It was some from the Whedonverse, I think. Somebody, so. yeah, I, it's been a yeah. lot. Um, and on the star, Stargate, Star Trek. Uh, no, the star of the show, uh, Rachel Nichols, who yeah. was on Alias, was on was in GI Joe, was in the Conan movie. Uh, she was. The she green was. In, girl. She was the green girl in the first Star Trek, the so. the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yeah, the one that Kirk was uh, canoodling with when Uhura came in. Yeah, so uh, because because she was on Alias. Yeah, I, I I'll admit something to you. I I I thought she was cuter green, so <laughs> that's from watching too much Star Trek in my. Yes, youth. it is. <laughs> but okay, well and. I'm almost scared to ask you this, but what's your final judgment on <laughs> the Riddick movies? <laughs> uh, the first one was low-budget schlock. The second one was expensive schlock. <laughs> but schlock nonetheless. Yeah. Um, if you like brainless action with you know some forced-in platitudes, like my co-host... I love this stuff. 
then by all means, rent the, <laughs> r- rush to your nearest surviving video store and rent them immediately. Otherwise, do something a little more worthwhile with your time. <laughs> I like them. And I'm going to go to the theater. I'm going to go to the dollar theater and lay down my dollar and watch the third one. <laughs> I hope you like it. I mean that sincerely. <laughs> Okay, well, for next time, we're at Christmas time already, since... How did that happen? Uh, <laughs> oh, s- right, we skipped months. <laughs> Yikes. It, we didn't mean to, it just, no. life got in the way. Yes, and we we apologize, and, oh, man, uh, that that Godfather episode was, it, it yeah. was, I think it turned out all right, but, man, it was the episode from hell. It, and it, the whole point Ooh. was to do an episode about epics. And, and it turned into it, an epic pain. Yeah, but uh, I think I think uh, um, our listeners will enjoy or have enjoyed uh, the. Yeah, all all eight of you. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, I give a shout out to two listeners who were bugging me. <laughs> when are you going to put out an episode? Uh, Tim Sayer and uh, Katie Scambalone are both on my case about it. So here you go. <laughs> um, Two, in 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 a timely fashion. So, all right. Uh, the Godfather episode and this episode and next month, since we're on Christmas time, uh, we are going to be talking uh, about just some Christmassy movies. Um, the first one is the uh, I, film. I'd uh, never heard of this before today. Robert suggested we do. I I thought you know okay next month's December. We yeah. were we were looking at what was on the docket and it's like well, that's not really Christmassy and it's gonna go out in December and. Hopefully, and yeah. uh, so let's let's pick some Christmas movies. And we were looking, and uh, Robert suggested this one that uh, I had never heard of. Well, it sat on the shelf at Blockbuster. We pulled it out every year. It's, <laughs> it, it got it got shoved into the Christmas movie pile, and we'd bring it out every year. We get like two or three copies of this one in, and I'd never seen it, so I'm I'm one to yeah. give it. It's called uh, Joy Noel. Joy spelled in the French style. J O Y E U X. N O E L for those of you. It's on uh, Amazon Prime Instant Streaming if you want to check it out. Um, yeah, and it'll probably be. It might be at the Red Box, maybe. Who knows? So, or uh, your local library probably has it. Yeah, yeah. I would say go to a video store, but you're right. No, yeah. There's not there's, a whole there's lot. There's Family left. Video around here, and that's all I can think of. Yeah. Well, there's uh, one blockbuster. By me, I don't know. By down here, no. I, I, I think it's the what used to be the old regional office up there. I don't know uh, the one in Berea. Oh, there's there's one in Berea. It's still in Berea, really. Oh wow, there's one in Worcester around here, but that I'm not driving twenty no, miles Worcester's, to run a movie. Yeah, uh, that that that's a good like hour and a half for you from <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Um, then in our TV corner, um, because Michael and his uh, uh, two and a half, is she two and a half yet? Oh yeah, she's almost. Half. She'll be three in February. Oh wow, yeah. Um, Mike and his daughter have been watching some Veggie Tales. Yes. So we'll talk um, specifically about the Christmas episodes, but uh, I'll, I'll pick probably Mike's, as a whole. But yeah, I'll um, probably pick Mike's brain about some of the other episodes yeah, and I'll, some I'll, of the morals yeah. that they give. Yeah, I'll, I'll give my thoughts. I've actually been meaning to, and the fact that they have Christmas episodes is kind of a justification to do <laughs> Veggie Tales. Yes, but yeah, those are definitely. Uh, uh, Christian themed, yes. Um, but how 
how Christian themed they are is, uh, I mean, some more than others. Yeah. There are some that are definitely taken from Bible stories. There's an Esther episode. Yeah. Um, There's the but, Jonah the movie, the, yeah, which is very enjoyable. But then you've got Lord of the Beans, yeah, which is a Lord of the Rings pastiche. And what was the one on It's a Wonderful Life? It's a meaningful life. There, yeah, which isn't even really a spoof of It's a Wonderful Life. It kind of goes off in its own direction. Yeah, I mean they don't do the whole like he gets on a train which I think is supposed to be a takeoff of the Polar Express and he sees what his life would have been like if he had made a football catch oh. it, it kind of yeah it's not that's a stretch it's, it's a yeah because they couldn't adapt a story about a small time a, a, a small town a small business <laughs> it wouldn't translate yeah yeah well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, more. yeah, yeah. We'll we'll save it for uh, the episode. <laughs> but until uh, then, this is Robert saying, "Keep the faith," and Mike saying, "Peace out."